Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. And I'm Hunter Heinemann. Hey, hey Hunter, man, good to hear your voice again. I say that every time we, we do a podcast because sometimes we're face-to-face sitting across the table from each other. But sometimes, you know, as busy as you are, we have to do things kind of remote. And you, yeah, you've been out of town for a few days. You played hooky on me, man. <laughs> yeah, just, just uh, well, yeah, <laughs> um, been, been out of town, but <clears throat> also just still um, – uh, cranking away some some real estate deals over the phone and and doing that and you know we we do like to hunt so we try to take advantage of of our opening weekend seasons and been dove season and and then this morning we just opened up uh, on the ninth uh, with opening teal season so when we had a heck of a morning but um, got some good wings shooting in and practice during dove season so that was good too how. How was your uh, dove season? Oh, mine, uh, hey, just like my teal season, man, it, it, it wasn't very, very good. I was hunting a public area and uh, for dove season. They put in, actually put in some food plots. There's a new young man uh, taking care of the area uh, where I hunt an awful lot. And uh, they had three or four uh, little food plots in, and there were several people showed up for dove season. I think one of the little plots... Well, both of them had two or three parties on them, and I actually ran into, I didn't have a clue where I was going to go, and uh, it uh, I happened to run into the gentleman that runs the area, and he and his wife were there, and he said, well, you can just go with us. And I thought, well, that's cool, you know, he's probably got a good spot. Uh, he, had, he had a little food plot, I don't know, 30 yards wide and 100 yards long, and it you would never know it was there. You drive right by it, he kind of tucked it in a, a low spot that's hidden by bushes and stuff. So unless you yeah. knew it was there, you wouldn't go find it. But uh, there were a few doves uh, come in there, and uh, yeah, uh, it was. Oh, I didn't have much shooting. They had most of the shooting, and uh, time I left, they'd killed a half dozen. But uh, there was a fair amount of shooting going on on the other food plots. I, I think we sat on the worst of the three. <laughs> really. Yeah, but where was that? What, what uh, conservation area was that, or public area was uh, that? That it was a little prairie uh, lake there out of out of Rolla. It's it's actually in the city limits of Rolla. It's kind of a cool deal. You, uh, you don't have many conservation department lakes inside the city limits where you can actually uh, uh, hunt and you can uh, waterfowl hunt there. You can dove hunt and in the uh, during deer season, it's archery only, but uh, that area, I've yeah. hunted that area for, golly, close to 50 years. When I first came to this part of the country, uh, that was called a community lake, and that's what they used to call them back then, and I did my research. Of course, I, I didn't have internet and all that back then, but uh, I did my research, and Little Prairie Lake was one of 
two community lakes in the whole state of Missouri where you could waterfowl hunt. Nobody knew it. I had it to myself for years. And, of course, you know, me being an outdoor writer, I put it in the newspaper, and then people start showing up. <laughs> but I've had a lot of good uh, dove hunts as, as well as teal hunts there. But it, what well, it just didn't pan out this year. I should have gone back home to the boot hill, you know. Uh, yeah. Got several places down there I can hunt, but that's four-hour drive, and I don't enjoy those four-hour drives as much as it used to. So, hey, I've, I've struck out so far, man. But you know what? Uh, dove season is pretty long. Teal season lasts uh, for, gosh, a week and a half or so. And uh, I don't I don't have to punch the clock anymore, you know, or go into that office. So I can get, kind of go when I want to. I'll, I'll get some yeah. more mornings in. So I, I'm not right. giving, giving up. So how did your dove hunt go then? Uh, really well. Um, we we hunt uh, up. Actually, we have two spots that we go. Um, one's on our main farm at Backwater Farms. Yeah. Um, it is off of like Highway C and B. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of you know clubs around here and people that. Um, join a club and hunt, um, <clears throat> and they pay like a membership fee right, um, right. every year to be a part of the club, and then they can go hunt out at whatever club they pay. So um, we're around some pretty big, you know, other club names around here, but uh, we're like off of Highway 70 and um, oh, that's kind Saint, of River Small area. Yeah. Yep, we're in St. Charles County. And uh, we have our, on our main farm, it's 80 acres. And I'd say we plant about a two to three acre section every year in one of the front corners and sunflower seeds. <clears throat> and uh, the 80 acre farm, the front half of it is a WRP easement on it that we kind of let just grow up naturally. Uh, it grows up with like a lot of millet, smart weed type stuff. Perfect. So they get also food from that. Um, when it's not flooded, they can, you know, land out there too and, and get a lot of seed from that. Um, but actually, um, at the main farm, it's worked out really good because we plant that sunflower seed and it's kind of right off of a road. And then we have a gravel road that we park on that goes all the way along one side of it. Oh. And then you've got the sunflower seeds and there's a power line there. And then we start flooding about mid-August, maybe even the first week in August for teal season to get the teal in. And so the dove have kind of everything they need, which is the food, um, water, and then the gravel. And then, of course, they like to perch up on the power lines. So uh, they like kind of get perfect setup. <laughs> yep, they've got every, about everything they need at the main farm. But um, so we hunted opening morning, though, over at uh, – property that we lease um it was a connection that my dad had made a long time ago with actually a past client and uh he just happens to own a pretty big piece i think it's around 80 acres over in maryland heights and it's actually uh in the city limits too um so we actually have to apply for a permit to hunt there um through the through maryland heights police department um and they issue really? us a permit Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And we, but at least they allow it. That's that's cool. Correct. Yep. Yep. As long as we um, do everything we're supposed to be doing and have the permits, and it's no issue. Um, <clears throat> and it's over by a 
like a water treatment plant over there. And uh, there's same kind of setup. There's a power line, some flower seeds, beans, uh, pond, and then like a gravel road going into it. But opening morning, we started there and uh, got a limit, no problem. Um, probably within about, you know, an hour. And we had, I think, six guys that hunted with us that morning and pretty much every one of us limited out. Um, that was a good time. Um, we went over to a friend's house and cleaned all the birds up and that was fun. And then Saturday, uh, we went back there and I, I think we hunted in the afternoon over there. Um, and then we actually, we let the main farm at backwater rest. And then Sunday we came over here and we, uh, hunted at backwater farms in the afternoon and typically i don't know why the afternoon seemed better over here at this farm and me and my brother went out into the field and uh man we we shot him up quick um <laughs> but you, then you know, did you go Monday, through a lot of shells <laughs> yeah yeah um i think i bought over 1520 gauge shells for you know the oh, dove my. hunting um and I fit, you know, my brother used some of mine and yeah. like if Lucas was going to come, my brother-in-law, yeah. you know, I wanted to just have extra shells and then I had bought some for my dad. So I, I bought more than enough and I'll have left over for next year. But <laughs> when Monday came around, man, it really turned off. Uh, we yeah. went back out to the lease and, you know, we had probably five or six guys out there and I think we might've killed eight or nine doves, um, uh. which still, which is still fun, but. Oh, it is when you're in a group, but but after you know right. killing lemons one after okay. another, and it, that it gets down to that, that that's when mm -hmm. everybody, I, I everybody's crying a little bit. Yeah, I think it's changed a lot. I think they have. Uh, I think we're shooting a lot of local doves, and they're not migrating as much as they used to. Um, because I remember a couple of years you could hunt all the way into the you know into the weekend of teal season. And, uh, you know, you might not kill a limit, but you might walk away with a dozen or 10, you know, that's right. pretty good. Oh yeah. Still a good um, but I did go out, I think it was Thursday afternoon, um, here at backwater farms. And, uh, I was just bored and, uh, <laughs> we had done some work around here and stuff and, and we've got a new, newer dog, a newer black lab. His name is Tater. <laughs> and uh he's two years old and i wanted to see if you know someone just fly in there and i could you know have him go retrieve them and killed four and uh he he retrieved them pretty well so um awesome. that was kind of my dove season i would say it was a total success i wish they were you know in more numbers a little bit longer but it does seem like we usually have two to three days and then they kind of get blown out or they kind of leave the area or or just know that maybe there's that's a dangerous area so they kind of quit coming around yeah but uh it's still early enough in the season uh, you should get some migrants come down particularly man if we could get a little weather up north that that would help the dove in a yeah, situation yeah. uh well i know I think, uh, a lot of areas one of the other owner's sons out here, uh, Tanner Branke, um, <clears throat> he usually does a couple later September, early October um, dove hunts. And it, it, 
he said that uh, in the afternoon to come out when he gets off work early enough and um, he'll he'll sit for you know three hours and might kill 10 or 11 yeah and i think that's kind of that second wave that must come through but i think we shot the first wave up pretty good (laughs) (laughs) but man we had some we had some good dove poppers oh uh, marinated them in italian dressing and (laughs) yeah we did some with uh jeff browning one of my dad's agents brought some uh farm grown jalapenos down and then we put cream cheese in there and oh yes put them with the the dove and wrap them up and put them on the blackstone and That's i actually then hard to beat. put a little little drop of honey on the top to finish it oh, and that sounds good glazed over it man they were good oh i i bet so and i've talked to several people around the ozarks everybody south of missouri river and i've talked to several guys that uh, had good hunts but kind of hit and miss my son-in-law who lives uh well, from a St. James place, as a crow flies about five miles, he hunted with a brother-in-law of his who's actually just two miles from my old place, and they had a tremendous hunt. I think my son, JP, uh, killed a dozen the open morning, and he was talking about jalapeno yeah. poppers, too. And I said, and you didn't even invite me over, man. I, I, no. You just moved, that was rude. You just moved down the son-in-law list, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got, uh, I got a good local population down um, at my farm in Steelville, of course, I consider it more of a deer and turkey property right. more than really dove or migratory bird or ducks or anything like that. But I do have a pretty big hay field. And before, uh, you know, we left to go dove hunt, I've got a power line and gosh, there was probably 50 something plus doves sit on it Wow! That... Um, in the, in the afternoon. So I kind of, you know, just left them alone, come sure. up here and I'm going to see if maybe some of them aren't hanging, hanging around when I go back and maybe I can get one last lemon in there before they're all gone. <laughs> but <laughs> well, it's nice to have that right out the back door, you know, because that can be kind of an impromptu dove, hunt, oh, you know, you, yeah, I you literally the time, can the mood, go you, home. Yeah. <laughs> I can go home at, Four thirty or five, you know, from an appointment, and walk out the back door. But uh, what uh, just curious, what kind of gun are you using when you dove hunt, and what uh, gauge are you using? Well, uh, I, most often I, I will use a, a twelve gauge uh, shotgun a Stoker that I've had for oh many many years. I've killed lots of dove, teal, ducks. Uh, with that shotgun but this year i i chose to carry a little 20 gauge mossberg over and under that i've had and I've, there you go yeah i've killed lots of doves and teal with it too it, and, it, it's a lot lighter gun and I enjoy and shooting then it. are you using uh what kind of you know seven and a half shot eight shot what, yeah I, you... I use uh i use a lot of number six and seven and a half steel shots and two and three quarter inch shells and it's amazing yeah. what those would do on dove or teal either one I've, I've had great success with them and i was a little slow yep. going back to those because everybody gets used to sh- shooting three inch magnums at everything you know but you don't, you don't have to no have, have i that no i i use two and three quarters on doves every year and you can go pick up a box of federal 20 gauge two and three quarter seven and a half shot for 30 something cents around and that's the cheapest way to go, but they're still 
good and uh that's what i've i've been using my franchi uh over and under 20 gauge and then i did uh-huh. on some of the slower days when i wanted to make sure i was knocking them down i i brought my i have a franchi over and under 20 and a franchi over and under 12 um both in two three three quarters inch uh shells and then I actually had a lot of leftover eight shot and I was even using that and yeah, was doing fine that. as long as, you know, if they're getting out there to 45, 50 yards and you're using eight shot, that can be a little bit of a problem sometimes. So I do prefer the seven and a half, but I've never used the six shot like you were saying, but, uh, well, growing up, uh, is, that's all I've mm-hmm. ever used, but, uh, Hey, got you a, might have to try the six shot. Maybe that'll knock him down a little better. It, it does. It's a little. You got a, uh, just a fewer less shot, but the shot's just a little bit bigger, and it, it doesn't take a whole lot to knock a knock a dove down. No, you know. So that, it's it's pretty amazing though. Sometimes I swear I've watched other guys shoot them, and you can see their tail feathers either <laughs> falling off. Oh yeah. Or you can actually sometimes <laughs> when they shoot, you can actually sometimes hear that BB. Thump. The BBs hitting the dove. Yeah, and sometimes they'll just fly right off, and you're like, "What happened there?" Yeah, I I, I know they they can be pretty amazing birds at at times, but uh, yeah, I think opening day I shot twice, and I got two tail feathers. So tail feather suit, <laughs> just don't cut it, man. Hey, we didn't. Yeah. We need to take just a short break here, folks. Don't go away. Coming back, we're going to be talking about shooting teal. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Drury Outdoors, and you're listening to Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast with Phil Cooper and Hunter Heineman. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on a beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But Who's All Valley, there's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz, original cast member of Drury Outdoors and a member of the DeerCast team. And we're talking about big whitetails and setting yourself up for success this fall. So this is my tip. You cannot, I I can't stress enough how important it is, if you have the resources, to put the groceries in the ground for big whitetails. And we're coming up on a very important time, and that is late July, early August. The reason why? Because that's when you put in your turnips and radishes. And I I like to use a mix called 
Winter Bulb Sugar Beets by Mossy Oak Biologics. But I, I'll, sometimes I'll add extra radishes in there. Deer radish is just an unbelievable uh, uh, food source. And then those turnips and those sugar beets, they'll stay in for later season. So you'll have pretty much all fall, early fall, the radishes, and then late, late fall into the winter. The late season, you have the, uh, the turnips and the sugar beets. So you have to put those the, the groceries in the ground, and and you don't you don't want to plant too early, you don't want to plant too late. So you want to the, the the turnips and radishes have a big root ball, and so to give it enough time to generate the growth under the ground, they have to be planted a lot earlier than the regular all fall plot. So. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm not planting right now. I'm up here in, at my farm in southern Iowa, but I'm preparing. I'm preparing my smaller little, uh, what I call kill plots, food plots. I'm getting them prepared. I'm killing the weeds. I'm getting the ground uh, turned, and I'm getting doing the things that you got to do to where when conditions are right. So let's talk about when conditions are right when you're planting these little little food plots that you're going to be needing to plant here real soon to, uh, to capitalize on, on uh, killing a big white tail. The deer cast features are, I can't tell you how, I don't know what deer cast costs per month or per year, but it's worth every penny to be able to go on there and check a feature that's called rain station. And so that rain station will show you how much rain on your farm that you've had, how much uh, up to that point. It'll get, so you can uh, gauge how much moisture is in the ground. So if you haven't had any rain for a while, you may not want to plant. And plant to a front. If you look and check and, and keep tabs on your weather and a front is getting ready to come in within a day or two, Plant then. So get your get all your food plots ready now. Get them ready now. Get them ready early early July, mid July, and then when when that when those fronts come in, and you plant right ahead of those fronts, the sooner it rains after you get that seed in the ground, the more success you're going to have with with that with that food plot coming up and being very healthy. So my tip is. Start preparing now to put the groceries in the ground for big whitetails later this fall. Hi, folks. It's Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation with a little habitat hint here. Uh, no surprise, uh, we are in the middle of a pretty severe drought across most of mid-Missouri. Uh, would encourage folks to take a look at diversifying their grazing systems. Uh, right now, the department, NRCS, and other partners do have cost share available for the establishment of native form season grasses for grazing and hay purposes. What a great program, what a wonderful way of diversifying your grazing system and actually having a drought-tolerant, productive grass in the months of June, July, and August. 
If you're looking for more information, would encourage you go to go to the Missouri Department of Conservation's website at mdc.mo.gov. And in the upper right-hand corner is contacts. Go to your county and find your private land conservationist for your county uh, to set up a meeting to look at ways that you can improve your property, not only for wildlife, but also forage production for your cattle. Hey, everybody, this is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Check out my buddy's podcast show, Living the Dream Outdoors with Bill Cooper and Hunter Hindman. You're really going to enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. I hope you enjoyed that discussion about dove hunting. Of course, Hunter got to do most of the talking because he's killed most of the doves. I, I got to play catch up here, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's not it's not always like that. So no, it's, it, it, it's it's not, it. man. But uh, hey, it is fun when it happens right, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, it's great. Uh, we usually go celebrate with a. Waffle House breakfast afterwards. <laughs> so we've done that two or three times so far. Yeah. Um, but well, well, I did have a big, uh, big restaurant breakfast after <laughs> after my bust uh, of a teal hunt this this morning. I, I go out out south of St. James Southside Restaurant, little country restaurant. Great, yeah. Ham and eggs, man. <laughs> I've, I've been there with you before. That place is very good. Yeah, yes, it is. Well, man, I, I know you had a spectacular uh, teal hunt as well. Well, tell me how that how that came down. <laughs> yep, that's, that's very. It was good. So when we when we duck hunt, we're pretty much just hunting here at Backwater Farms. Um, again, that's St. Charles County, and uh, <clears throat> the farm is split right down the middle in two perfect 40 acre squares uh the front half is wrp um and the back half is what we have in corn and and soybeans um and so when we were hunting the teal we always flood our front cr or not crp wrp field first and uh we flooded that i would say probably going back about a month ago um and again that that gets the ducks in the area used to the the spot and then if they're using that for a month you know without any hunting pressure at all exactly and a ton of millet and smart weed in there uh is what they're eating and other natural seeds and grasses uh start getting in the water and they really start targeting that along with other ducks too you know there's all kinds of species that use it but primarily right now it seems like teal and, and wood duck um so anyways uh that's where we're hunting and and um it's kind of funny i was trying to watch for them you know because you can see that field really easy when i'm dove hunting yeah um in the past week i've been trying to look for the teal and honestly i wasn't really seeing them and i kind of understood why this morning um we went out and uh, it was me my dad and one of the other owners and we set up in our skitter blind and all we did was throw out about maybe a dozen, no more than 24 decoys, two dozen yeah. uh, green wing and blue wing teal. And, uh, threw those out there and we just, my dad has an Argo and we just drove around where the millet was kind of standing up tall and knocked an area down. Uh, 
not a huge area either, but we got out there and set up and field season's a little different. They have, uh, you know, shooting time is actually, uh, at sunrise instead of 30 minutes before. Yeah. So we were set up, uh, we probably got in the skitter blind at 625 and had to wait, you know, 10, 15 minutes, uh, for legal shooting time. And we were seeing a couple fly by, but I was honestly kind of concerned. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this isn't looking very good. You know, just ones and twos flying around. Um, and then they would kind of land. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple clubs started shooting ducks right at uh, sunrise. And it kind of spooked up a lot of the ducks on our place. And I think once they started shooting, a lot of the ducks were flying from that club over to ours. Yeah. Yeah, that helps and, a lot uh, of times once shooting starts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, it just kind of got them going. And and uh, then I understood maybe why I wasn't seeing so many ducks <laughs> over in the dove field because, man, them things were – they were zipping around and they were zipping real low to the ground, you know, just 10, 20 yards above the millet. Uh, so I'm guessing that's why I wasn't seeing them. They're flying so low. They're blending in with the tree line in the background. Yep. And anyways, uh, once those other clubs shot, it stirred some up and we knocked down three pretty quick. And, uh, <laughs> one kind of went way off in the weeds and, and then we dropped two in the weeds and, and my dad got the dog out and we put good retrieves on those. And, uh, then it was kind of like all chaos broke loose. You know, my dad was trying to retrieve ducks and me and Jim were still shooting them, drop them in, in the <laughs> hole where he was standing. And, uh, then, uh, he was getting a couple shots, you know, while he was standing out there and dropping a few more. And so it was just kind of, chaotic there for a bit and finally he uh made his way back to the blind with you know more than three than he went out for and and i don't know at that point we might have had you know a limit down between all of us or something yeah and uh <clears throat> he got back to the skitter blind and then we um kind of got regrouped but it wasn't a whole lot of time to do anything it's just like once we opened up there and shot they just kept, it's like it stirred them up and the, they just wanted in there so bad. There's only a few other clubs around here with, you know, open water like what right. we have. So Right, plus you I had, you had your food resource it. too. So, yeah, and it, yep. it, if they'd been feeding there for a few days, you know, yeah, they they knew it was there and knew all about it. And, and sometimes uh, teal are just crazy. They just dive in, you know. It, they're such that's a, what yeah, fun they were doing. Hunt. Yeah, yeah, they were they were flying fast and low, and and then some of them were way up in the air, like they were just going to be flying by, and they would dive bomb us, and we'd, <laughs> then we'd get a shot. So, but man, they they made a they made us look pretty goofy a few times. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, um, but they, they could also make you think that you're you're a great uh, hunter because teal. Uh, boy, they decoy so easily. A lot of times when they just see the decoys, uh, they just crash right in them you know i always said they're, yep. they're the best duck to take a kid hunting for you know because you you can actually like them 
come in and sit down in the decoys and then flush them for the kids to shoot, and they got straightaway shots, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how many times I would go out to get, you know, a duck, and they'd just fly in with me out in the, out in the hole. Yeah. But we also did uh, something a little different. We, took, we had two mojos, and uh, one of the mojos was on a real short mojo stick, and it was only sticking up out of the water a couple inches, flapping uh, its wings, you know. Yeah. And then we have a about a eight or nine foot pole, I would say, a black pole, and uh-huh. it's just a bunch of mojo pieces stuck all together, and uh-huh. uh, we stuck one way up there on it, uh-huh. and I think I think that works out good because they can see that clear as day above all the grass, and right. it's kind of more level with them. And a lot of the shots we were getting, they were just right above it. Um, but it's kind of cool. It looks like one that's buzzing by and then another that's landing. So, uh, I don't know if that really made a difference or not, but it, uh, they were, they were definitely coming right the way we needed them to. We were getting shots at 20, 30 yards on them. So, yeah. Well, I think the mojos are early in the season often work extremely well. Now, sometime later in the season, after those ducks have been shot at, you know, coming down the flyway, and they've seen a lot of those mojos. I, mm-hmm. I think they kind of become a little bit uh, leery of them. So I use them early, yeah, during, late in the season. Uh, they usually stay in the shed. <laughs> yeah, during during regular season later in the year, I'll sometimes we won't even put one out, or sometimes we won't even call at them or anything. We'll just kind of let them do their thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Because they they do get wise after coming down that flyway. I think I would too if people were shooting at me. You know, you tend to pay a little more attention. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to yep. ask you now. You got the uh, you got the teal down. I know you guys will eat. Those. They're a great eating little duck. What's your favorite yeah. way to prepare teal to eat? Same way, I pretty much do the the dove. I uh, I have every now and then. You know, just throwing them on the the grill or skillet and kind of ate them medium, yeah, in the middle, and kind of eating just like a little steak. If you marinate them in Italian dressing, yep. I always do that whether I'm doing the poppers or not. Yep. Um, of course, you can always fry them. I I more like getting the fla- a lot of the flavor, just the natural flavor out of it. So I usually do the poppers, yep. and the way. You- you can do the steak it's just just same thing like you're cooking a steak is cast iron skillet the best way i've seen people do it is actually take the like a mallard if you kill a mallard during normal season take that and leave the actually leave the skin on it and pluck it and then breast it out yeah and you can kind of cut some slits in that skin and that fat and uh salt and pepper on that thing and put it on high heat and sear it on each side oh man and then you can even finish it in the pan in the oven if you want or just turn it down on low heat and butter and some thyme or rosemary and garlic and geez hunter i didn't know you, i didn't know you were such a chef man you've been holding yeah, out on me <laughs> i well a long time ago i used to work at a bar and before then ah. i think all i knew how to cook was uh the only thing i knew how to cook was probably pizza and macaroni in the microwave <laughs> so i'm kind well, you, of glad i did it yeah you've made a great great improvement well another way i like to prepare teal and i don't do this with a lot of ducks but i i take them and uh 
bake them whole and put a good mm-hmm. good sage dressing with them, man. That sounds good. It, it's awesome. And again, you don't want to overcook them. It's awful easy I, to overcook them in the oven. Right now, I guess you got you pluck them all and cut the wings off, or do you do you keep the wings on there too? Oh, I, I've done it a different ways, and I have actually even uh, skinned those ducks out rather than plucking them. I'm kind of lazy mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. But hey, leaving that skin on them, you know, duck fat is a good thing, and uh, yeah, it it adds flavor. You know, we talk about we're so used to taking the fat off a of deer and that sort of thing, but with ducks, duck fat is a good thing. So if you've got the time and you pluck them, it, it's even better, and that helps hold the moisture. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Well, better. it's got a lot of a lot of flavor. A lot of people probably would say, "Wow, that's gross," but no. it's just like you know, fat on a on a ribeye. It's, oh, it's got a lot of flavor. It's absolutely, really good. and and you uh, pair a, a good uh, red wine with that that duck. Yep, can't beat it pretty awesome well man hey hunter i understand we could talk duck hunting and dove hunting all day long but i understand that uh, living the dream outdoor properties has got a huge event coming up an open house tell us about that yeah yeah so we're going to be having a grand opening uh for our new office location uh that is located at 6485 north service road in leesburg missouri um we've been working there you know some of the staff and, and agents are in and out right there right now. Um, we've been working in there for two or three months, but we wanted to open that up to the public and do something a little bit special and share what we've done and kind of what the public has really helped us create over the past years, uh, since 2011 when we opened. Uh, in Cuba, and now we've just branched out ever since, but I was fortunate enough to find a nice piece of property right on 44 and obtain that and then uh, start building that building. And um, that was a project in itself, but it's uh, 6485 North Service Road in Leesburg, Missouri. It's going to be open September 23rd, and it starts at 2 p.m., and it goes till 10 p.m. You can show up anytime you want within that range and leave whenever you want um, within that range. We're going to have a lot of stuff going on. Um, We're going to be giving away three deer rifles. We're going to be giving away living the dream um, branded Orca coolers. So it's an actual Orca cooler with living the dreams logo on it. Mm -hmm. We're going to be giving away some Blackstone grills um, we're going to be giving away living the dream hats and t-shirts, mugs, um, stuff like that. And then there's going to be some like local wineries there, like Crooked Creek, um, winery. Um, there's going to be two food trucks there. All the food is free and provided by living the dream. Um, there's also going to be drinks there, uh, beverages for the adults, of course, uh, tipsy pony is who's going to be doing that. Um, it's a pretty cool deal. If you're doing a wedding or a big event, they are just, they're great. Uh, they'll show up, they'll drive an actual like bus to you and then they can serve you the drinks right from the bus. Wow. <laughs> um, so it's pretty cool. And then, uh, it's all free. Um, and again, this is for any open to anybody, um, in the area. 
um, or wherever they're coming from. It's just open to anybody. And then uh, it's also available for our past clients. And then I've, I've invited quite a few of them and then staff and agents and friends and family. So it's, you know, if you're a past client and have friends and family that want to come to uh, everybody's more than welcome. And again, we're going to have some other things going on too, that a lot of fun activities. There's going to be two bounce houses for kids. Awesome. Uh, we're going to have some ax throwing a live band, which is the, the uh, excuse me, the Lorraine brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and we're going to be on a live radio feed uh, from the local radio station, KZNN. Awesome. Um, and again, this is a grand opening ribbon cutting. And then like kind of for some of the agents, it's a client appreciation at the same time uh, or an appreciation for the public for just coming in and hanging out with us that day. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention, our office and facilities have over 85 mounts from all over the world. Oh, yeah, you uh, outdoorsmen you- need to see this. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there's things like uh, muskox in there, caribou, wolves, moose, deer, all kinds of uh, critters on the walls in there um, that me and my dad have shot through the years. Um, or, you know, some of them have actually been provided by some other people that my dad has worked with, too. Awesome. Um, another thing we're going to do, start doing, uh, and I, this is my favorite part about all of it, we have about a 2,500-square-foot uh, conference room, and we're going to be providing that to some conservation groups, farming groups, cattle groups, um, maybe Boy Scout, Girl Scout-type groups, anybody that has some sort of a outdoor recreational appeal that needs a space to maybe do presentations in or have an event, uh, we're going to be offering that space for free uh, to people to come actually talk to groups about whatever they want to talk about um, in the outdoor world, and we're going to offer that for free. Uh, It can hold about 125 people inside and out. Uh, the, The area, if you go there, um, at our open house, you can be inside, but then there's big garage doors where you can easily go hang out outside as well. Um, but again, like conservation groups or land stewardship um, is, is kind of what we're going for there. Um, but anybody that needs a space to talk to a big group um, can use that uh, for free. And uh, again, come check us out on September 23rd. Uh, open 2 to 10 p.m. at 6485 North Service Road in Leesburg, Missouri. Well, t- check me off the list. I'm going to be there for sure. Sounds like a great, <laughs> ev- great event, man. And that offer to use that building is just an incredible service to the public. Uh, boy, I yeah, I, I mean, can't... there's even a, there's even like a, you know, projector screen. So, wow. and all the equipment is really there. If you bring a flash drive. You're in uh, business. Have a presentation. It's it's right there. So hey, and and you couldn't ask for a better ap- atmosphere if you're a if you're an outdoor group. But I just don't know of a private company anywhere that offers that, that kind of a service. But hey, great fun, Hunter man. It's been a great show. Uh, 
you hey you've eaten me up man i've got to get out and get after the dove and teal to play catch up with you and i will catch up with you because you know you know what i don't like eating baloney all the time dove and teal is a great great thing and folks uh uh tell us hunter how people can get a hold of living the dream outdoor properties if they want to okay uh well if you want to get a hold of me specifically my number is 636-373-1509 uh, you can call or text that number. That's my cell. Um, I'm also available by email, which is hunterh09 at yahoo.com. Or uh, if you just want to get a hold of the office and then get directed to somebody from there, uh, you can call that number at 855-BY-DIRT. 855-BY-DIRT. Hey, that's easy enough to remember. Well, folks, Hunter Heinemann, Bill Cooper, we live our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get in the outdoors and live your outdoor dreams as well captain brian wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business Stainwater boat fishing operates out of jerome missouri and the beautiful missouri ozarks they cover most ozark streams and lakes you haven't lived until you've searched ozark waters during the night with Stainwater boat fishing while looking for giant gar carp and buffalo Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Taney Como Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at 573-263-8016. Again, that's 573-263-8016. Be sure and shoot straight. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by... Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On the Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities.
Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.